Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 152 of the A Play on Nerds podcast, the mothership podcast of many others that have spawned since. I'm Jarman. I'm Steve, and we're here to co-host the living hell out of this. Heck yes. And this week in our roundabout of nerdy mayhem and fun, we bring back uh, a show that, that, an episode. a bit. God damn it. Main segment. I'm tired. <laughs> it started out this podcast. And that's copycat cinema. That's right. Copycat cinema. Two movies that have come out in the same year that are basically the same movie. And this time we're finally covering White House Down and Olympus Has Fallen. And this is one of those movies that's been on our list to do this for for a long time. But we always kind of ended up picking something else. It was always, it was on a lot of short lists. Yeah, always something we always did never like more sci-fi or, or horror or, or fantasy. Um and so much so that I felt like we had done this before, but I we looked back, right? We have not done this. I don't think so. And so our audience is gonna enjoy it all over again. Because it's been eight years we've been doing this damn podcast. So uh Yeah, dude. At some point we're gonna lose track. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but uh yeah, so what have you been up to since the last time we've recorded, see? Oh man, so much stuff. Uh my parents are currently in town. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be in town until this coming Tuesday, at which point they catch a scenic train ride down to Santa Barbara, Anna. Is that right? Mm, long train ride. Santa Barbara, where my parents go? Santa Barbara. And they're spending a couple days there. And they're going down to San Diego for a few days, spending a few days there. And then they catch a plane home. That's awesome. Um, so they're here visiting grandkids. We're going to go to the Happy Hollow Park and Zoo tomorrow. Oh, I never heard of that. Uh, it nobody has. It's a local <laughs> park and zoo here that has you know thirty animals. Nice. It's not a huge collection, uh, and they've got a nice jungle gym for kids and a merry-go-round and that kind of stuff. Very cool. Um, but because of that, our last week was me trying to button up a bunch of stuff at work, while at the same time trying to clean and deep clean a bunch not before the parents arrive, so we don't look like slobs. And you have that fancy cleaning device that you've recommended in the past. We do. Which device? The, like the steamer thing? The like steam cleans? Oh, dude. Steam cleaner. I didn't have a reason to use it this time, but I do recommend a high-pressure steam cleaner. <laughs> they make these little handheld units that are just amazing. It's a beautiful thing. Just beautiful. You'll get dirt you didn't even know existed. <laughs> I um, rent, so I don't but, really care that much. <laughs> that's right. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so, yeah, just deep cleaning and getting stuff buttoned up so we can enjoy our time. Very nice. I got to what say hi to them. What so um, well, me, I've been uh, working a lot. Um, I just, for the first time, I've had this home studio for so long. I've always planned on eventually having people rent out the space that they needed for podcasting or for recording something of their own, maybe singing a song. But I never really went, went forward with it or tried to look for it. But a friend of mine had a, had another friend who lives in Portland um, who is, does a, um, a audio drama. And one of his actors uh, lives here in Orlando. And so they came over and he paid me a little bit for the time for the studio time. And I set them up to record 
And it went well. They recorded their parts of the audio drama, and uh, I got paid for it. So I'm like, hmm, maybe it's open the, the gates to have me making some more passive income with a studio that I spent thousands of dollars on. <laughs> That's right. So that was pretty fun. And then uh, just doing audiobooks and all my YouTube jabs. Uh, go check out Slash Film on uh, YouTube or Facebook. Is there more stuff up there? Oh, yeah. I've been like hundreds of videos now. It's crazy. So you're bound to hear my voice somewhere out there in those videos. So, yeah, just been uh, working away. And also doing trivia every week with the the, the fiance. Uh, we've gotten first place of four out of the last five times we've gone to trivia, which is crazy. You guys are like mega champions. And we have a team of four now. So we have gotten two more people. One guy who actually knows sports, which helps because otherwise we're screwed when it comes to sports questions. So that's really helped us get slide into first and not be in third and fourth all the time. Now we're like almost getting first every single time. Nice. You get 40 uh, bucks. So it's pretty. I good. forgot to mention it. Uh, I, because uh, D&D was canceled, got to go to a trivia night. Hey. Some guys from work for the first time in ever. Very nice. Uh, and we went and without really trying that hard or thinking about who we had there and only having a very vague idea, it was just movies. Uh, we we tied for a second. Nice. It was movie trivia. Yeah, movie trivia. That's right up your alley right there. Uh, and uh, we tied for a second. And then me and the other, we each, each team sent up a representative to tell a joke. <laughs> and I was chosen for our group. And I told your your stick joke. <laughs> what's what's brown and sticky? A stick. <laughs> uh, and the other woman got more applause than me. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. That's a fun thing to enter. I was going to I was ready to tell like an involved joke. And, but I let her go first and she told like a one liner joke like that. And I went, well, now I can't tell an involved joke. Right. It <laughs> meet our own ground. Right. <laughs> well, that's fun. We're both doing trivia. That's right. But I think it takes us over to some nerdy news. It's time for nerdy news. All right. This week for my cheeky story, I've got a cheeky, cheeky title. And that title is, You Got the Beat Us. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, in the Journal of Experimental Biology in the Bahamas, there are these big iguanas that live on the islands there. And uh, some live on really remote islands, and some live on islands where tourists frequent. And what researchers saw was that when boats come up to these tourist islands, all of the iguanas just race out to the beach because uh, these tourists are all feeding them grapes. <laughs> nice. So these iguanas just love grapes and love tourists. So scientists took a look if this was having any health effects on uh, the iguanas and caught iguanas from both the remote islands and the ones that have tourists and the grape eaters and basically did a glu glucose test very similar to what they would you would do for a diabetic um, where they gave them uh, really high sugary content and then did measurements of their blood to see how it decreased and processed over time. Uh, and basically found that the grape eating uh, iguanas have been ruined by the tourists and have a much harder time regulating their blood sugar. They all got the beatus. They got the, we, all these tourists went out and we gave them lizards beatus. <laughs> America. <laughs> Bahamas. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's you got the beatus. <laughs> that's poor iguanas. I love iguanas. Those poor iguanas. <laughs> well, I think that takes us to our main segment, Copycat Cinema, where Olympus has fallen and White House down. They're both just down or on the ground somewhere. <laughs> Falling somewhere. 
I'll go ahead and start with Olympus Has Fallen. Uh, the movie opens sometime in the past, and on a snowy night, the presidential motorcade has a terrible crash. A Secret Service member, Mike Banning, is forced to make a split-moment decision and save the president instead of his wife. Eighteen months later, he's been pulled from presidential detail, and he's assigned to the Treasury. And uh, on top of that, the South Korean prime minister has come to discuss the rising tensions with North Korea. After a coordinated attack on the White House, the president is driven into a secret bu- bunker. But oh, no, the prime minister's security guy are North Korean terrorists. Oh, and they want the Cerberus codes, which are three super secret codes held by uh, like the head of the armed forces, the secretary of state and the president. Maybe there might be a vice president there, too, somewhere <laughs> uh, which will self detonate any nuclear warhead in the United States as a failsafe. Banning makes his way into the now assaulted White House. He makes contact with the outside world, and they're t- he's told he needs to look for the president's son, because if not, the bad guys are going to find him and use him as leverage against the president. Banning finds the kid in his favorite hiding place, kills a bunch of dudes, and gets the kid out. Now it's time for her- him to go get the president. Uh, in the bunker, the bad guys uh, are able to force two of the codes out of hostages, and the third one they're able to decrypt. Uh, Banning kind of murders his way down there. <laughs> Brutally murders <laughs> Eventually everybody. facing off against the big bad and shutting down the Cerberus command just in time. And in the end, as the president remembers all those who died in the attack, uh, he's Gerard Butler is clearly very happy with himself. <laughs> he's, he's put back in presidential duty as well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, then uh, we, then I go to White House down, right? After? I don't know. I think we go into White House down, the plot of this, okay. which is going to yeah, sound plot. very similar. Yeah, dude. Um, this one we have uh, Channing Tatum playing as a, um, a a security officer, but he's not quite a, a Secret Service yet. And Jamie Foxx playing the president. Um, and so Jamie Foxx is U.S. President James Sawyer. He's just recently made a decision to um, remove military forces from the Middle East, which is a very controversial decision. But uh, at the same time, this divorce veteran, John Cale, who is our our Channing Tatum? Um, he wants to become a Secret Service officer, so he tries to get an interview. He gets his way and interviews with Maggie Gyllenhaal, who's like the head of Secret Service, or she's second in line Secret Service, because the head of the Secret Service is the wonderful uh, Republican leaning James Woods. Um, it's his last day or last couple of weeks on on service, so they're giving him a birthday cake celebration, and he's going to be leaving soon. But what we don't know is that James Woods has a plan to take out the president and to blow up the entire Middle East because he's pissed because the decisions of the U.S. government and the president have caused his son to die in the war. And so he recruits a bunch of ex-military guys who also had um, people die in the war because of the decisions of the U.S. to take over the White House. So uh, at that same time, we have uh, John Cale, Channing Tatum, with his daughter. They're going to tour the White House because she loves the White House and all the history of the White House. And that's exactly when the attack happens um, on the White House with James Woods and his people taking over. But they don't know that this guy on the tour is ex-military and he wants to be on Secret Service. So he starts taking people out that are taking out these these hostages. And he gets separated from his daughter. So she's off lost in the, in the White House by herself uh, when this all goes down. And they're killing people left and right. They take um, the president hostage. And then we have James Woods, the head of the Secret Service, uh, still pretending to be um, protecting the president, takes Jamie Foxx to the um, the PEOC, which is like the lockdown um, safety room of the White House. And he that's when he finally turns on him and takes him hostage. 
And we also are introduced to the, the tech guy, this nerdy guy who's going to be hacking the system so that he can send the missiles out everywhere to destroy the Middle East. But similar to Steve's movie, we slowly have Chang Tatum taking over the White House, uh, killing people one by one. He gets with the president and the president and him have like a buddy cop movie situation where they're going through and escaping these different um, uh, military guys. At the same time, his daughter who's on her own, has her phone, and she takes videos of the people and sends it out to her blog. So she's like the one person inside letting people know what's happening. So she becomes internet famous as well. Um, they fight through everybody one by one, including the final battle with Jason Clark, who you might know from um, the the Apes, Planet of the Apes movies, uh, the new ones. He fights him in the end, like in a final battle sequence, um, and they finally uh, are able to escape. But the little do they know, at the very end of the movie, there's a a switch, a switch at the end because the guy that Chang Tatum originally worked for was the Speaker of the House, who was now going to be de facto president. Turns out he was working with um, James Woods and them all along, um, and so he's at the last minute taken down and arrested because he was part of this whole conspiracy. So, yeah, pretty similar. <laughs> I did a, a shitty yeah. job of explaining it, but pretty similar to what, what happened with yours. Nuclear launch codes are involved, but just a different different attack force different uh, targets for that nuclear attack force um, throughout the movie. All right. But there's clearly some reasons why my movie is superior. Is that right? There is. All right. Point number one, why Olympus has fallen is the superior white house falling film. (laughs) Uh, There was way more gritty action. Mm. I'm not saying the white house down did not have plenty of action. It did. But a lot of it felt like over-the-top Michael Bay kind of level mm-hmm. versus this had a very, like, uh, like John Wick kind of quality to it. It's very brutal. Dark. Very brutal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of this came from the director, Anton Fuqua. I yeah, tried. Fuqua. Who also directed uh, Training Day, The Equalizer, and The Magnificent Seven remake. All better movies. <laughs> so I think a lot of that came to this film. Well, one of the re- many reasons why my movie is far superior of these two exact same movies um, is the actions of the government officials and the steps they take in response to do th- the things that happen actually seem more realistic and more encompassing. Um, I felt like in Olympus Has Fallen, they seemed the government seemed pretty like <laughs> useless and didn't know what they were doing, where you saw lots of different things happening in White House Down that trying to counteract the uh, people attacking the white house, but they would fail, but they had a lot of steps and things they were trying. And that seemed more realistic. Whereas that just didn't happen in what Opus has fallen. Okay. All right. <laughs> I guess I could see that rat <laughs> bastard. Uh, I think that Olympus has fallen, uh, had better music. Oh, it was inspiring and moody and it really heightened the action. And this is speaking volumes to Trevor Morris. Uh, composer who has since gone on to do uh, the Vikings, the I'll Tudors, and Iron Fist. Oh, just take Iron. We'll Fist forget out of that there. Iron yeah, Fist. Exactly. Out of, yeah, he's done a ton of other stuff though. Just yeah, a ton. Yeah. Those are sort of the highlights. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I will say this is kind of rebutting your first point: is that okay. White House Down didn't take things so seriously. The movie didn't take itself that seriously. It was more fun. And Olympus has uh, fallen was so brutal and bleak with like no levity whatsoever. And so it just was more fun of a romp to watch White House Down with like the quip lines from Jimmy Fox and the, the chemistry between him and Tr- Channing Tatum. It was just kind of like it just it just worked better because it was more fun to watch and less like Jesus. He just beat that guy's head in. He stabbed that guy in the face. <laughs> like I was like Jesus. 
I will admit, yeah, they it was very uh, like what has done was I'll say more under the over the top. Yeah, or like the suspension of disbelief was far was far steeper. In that, you know, like they get in the limo, and he's like, "Oh, there's there's a weapons cache in the back." And uh, Jimmy Fox's character looks, and he pulls out an RPG that's in the back of a limo seat. <laughs> For like, some why, reason, why would that be the weapons <laughs> cache in this vehicle? <laughs> Makes no sense. Um. So they're just those those moments. I agree. It was, it was uh, a little bit more over the top. Yeah, more of a silly kind of fun romp. Uh, well, number three reason mine's better. Uh, mine I think had a better villain, mm-hmm. and maybe this is one of those over the top feelings from yours. But it felt like there was they tried to put together like a super villain team up, like the worst of the worst from all these different groups coming together. And there's the one with hacking superpowers. It just felt goofy. And so because of that, it came off as much less of a threat versus mine was uh, actor Rick Yoon, like big, imposing actor, very physical and imposing, showed multiple times that, like he was in control. And yeah, there were some peripheral bad guys, but like he was the bad guy. Yeah. Um, well, actually, to counteract that, my third point is kind of that you actually get to know and care about the characters more in White House Down. Um, Tatum and his daughter have a great relationship. Um, they're, they're really cute together and she's really funny and sparky. And then I think you care about Maggie Gyllenhaal and even James Wood's character has sympathy. The main villain, he's like, he's dying of cancer. His son was killed in the war. Like he has a reason for doing what he's doing. It's a three dimensional villain. So even though he's not as imposing or scary as your villain, he's somebody that you can understand. That's always a good trait with a villain. Like, you know why they're doing it, but they're doing the wrong thing for what they should be doing. But all the characters felt human and fleshed out. Like I didn't care much about Gerard Butler's character at all in Olympus has fallen. Even the president yeah. seemed very like a robotic um, in Olympus has fallen. It was just like, I don't care about any of these people, but I will admit the, the relationship between Banning and his wife was like, why does this need to be in here at all? Yeah. They had no chemistry at all. <laughs> it just was pointless. Um, okay. I could maybe get on board with some of that. But the, the, I think that one of the things that bugged me about White House Down was like the the dynamic between him and his daughter really bugged me at times. Now, mind you, it's not a new dynamic to like smart kid, dumb dad. Right. <laughs> but I felt like it was really poorly juxtaposed in that they kind of, and this might have just been Shane Tatum, they kind of framed him as like a dullard. Yeah. <laughs> but really throughout the entire film, he just repeatedly demonstrates how incredibly capable and fast thinking he is. So I didn't know what they wanted me to get from that. <laughs> right. That. And I think there's been a movement of late to stop having the dumb dad, um, you know, cliche in movies and TV shows. Yeah. Like the big oaf who's the father who can't do anything right. You know, he just likes sports and putting his hand in his pants, you know, like that's just kind mad of <laughs> all the time at things he doesn't understand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we're kind of over that. So, yeah, I can see how that would be frustrating. Uh, I did have one little final point, though, why this was better. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I watched Olympus has fallen second, and I'll hear it out. I noticed that this is a big movie movie making basic thing: is you show, don't tell as much as possible. So through context and dialogue, we're able to figure out who each character is and where their position is in the in the mm-hmm. cabinet or whatever, or what what's happening in the story. Where Olympus has fallen, put a caption on the screen for like every single character and place because they're too lazy to write about it in the script naturally. <laughs> so that's that's just kind of what I noticed. But it wasn't a huge deal. It's just like, come on, you could just explain that character by 
having them have a conversation, you know, I don't know. It felt right. annoying to me, but there's like three sequels to Olympus has fallen. You have, <laughs> you, I think to, to that point, you have these scenes with like 20 people in a control room where everyone's passing information, blah, blah, blah. You can stop on anyone and be like, no, the speaker of the house is about to arrive. Right. <laughs> yes. He's about to give the briefing. And then Morgan Freeman walks in, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> or like, I realize that you're the joint chief of staff, but that doesn't mean you have the power over me. You could say something like that. Just put one line in instead of right. caption joint chiefs of staff. I don't know. It's just, it was weird. <laughs> um, one thing I really struggled with in my, in Elizabeth's fall that I just did not get. Um, so you've got like the white house a with like they even mentioned it's got like iron structures or steel structures and it's fortified and blah 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 so the white house is under attack you've got a whole bunch of highly trained secret service members who have contingencies to defend this place and every single one of them just runs out the front of the building (laughs) into like the middle of a field to shoot at guys coming in from that same field and they all get shot to death immediately. And they all get shot to death, not undercover. There's some undercover, but like, if you watch that sequence, it's literally just secret service members, like running out into the open. <laughs> yeah, that's what I didn't like about it either. I remember thinking that when then the, why wouldn't you fall back into the building and then fall further back into the building and then fall further back into the building? That <laughs> yes. seems like that would be the process here, guys. But like the North Korean soldiers come in and they, they don't, not one of them dies in the initial attack. Not one. Like the secret service and the military that's in there didn't get one of them. Like just at least <laughs> that was pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, so uh, I've got some trivia for mine. What about you? Yeah, go for it, man. All right. So uh, they filmed a lot of the white house uh, scenes in Louisiana. And uh, while they were there filming, the weather was so hot that the humane society stepped in and said that the German shepherds playing the canine units had to have an air conditioned van. Nice. They deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the book by author Vince Flynn, Transfer of Power, was the basis for both of these movies. Okay. So they had to give credit to that book for both of them because they both relied on that book for these. I just thought that was nuts. Like, Whoa. you're making the same damn movie the same year based off the same book. <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, Morgan Freeman has openly stated in interviews that he did this film and both of its sequels just for the money. <laughs> I'm here for the paycheck. That's all I care about. And I did read it for your movie. Um, oh, God. Angela Bassett. The only reason uh-huh. she did this movie is because Morgan Freeman was in it. So <laughs> she was only in it because like, oh, Morgan Freeman's in the movie. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, it's got some class. Uh, they, uh, for White House Down, they shot the entire film on sound stages. None of the first unit shooting was done on location. This was done so Roland Emmerich, the director who also did Independence Day and a bunch of the other, you know, um, end of the world movies. So they got have complete control of the exteriors on these stages. Right. Um, that makes sense. But I did, wouldn't have noticed that it was done very well. I thought a lot of those things were outside or in a big building. So that's cool. Uh, this is the second time that Dylan McDermott, a character who I literally did not mention once. <laughs> yes, you did. It had so little to do. <laughs> Uh, Dylan McDermott played an ex-Secret Service agent who went private sector and got hired by the North Koreans and basically is the one who told them how to take down the White House. Right. Uh, So he has played a Secret Service agent in two films. He also played one in In the Line of Fire in 1993. 
and I forgot he was in that this movie. And I was like, oh, Dylan McDermott's a big star. Like he'll probably have a big part in this movie. He really didn't matter. <laughs> no. So yeah, those are basically the same movie, but uh, worth watching for their own reasons. I might go watch the sequels to Olympus Have Fallen just to hurt myself. I think that since they both cover the same subject matter, it's just if you want a more popcorn flick. White House. Like, do you want Independence Day or do you want Taken? Right. What kind of uh, mood are you in? That's what you should go for. Right. <laughs> do you want E.T. or do you want John Wick? <laughs> That's a strange comparison. But yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see E.T. beating the shit out of people now. <laughs> do you want the second Care Bears movie or Puff the Magic Dragon? Or do you want to Puff the Magic Dragon, if you know what I mean? Do you want the first Ewoks movie or the second Ewoks movie? <laughs> I have both on DVD. Dude, damn right. Caravan of Courage is my life. It also has diabetes in it. <laughs> yeah. Will for Brimley. Will for Brimley. So I have a little gameplay here. Uh, it's called Ooh. Don't Call Me Prez. Ooh, um, okay. This is basically going to be. So the Secret Service for a long time have had call signs or code oh, names shit. for presidents. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to give a code, the, the code name, and Stephen has to guess who that president is that's associated with. Now, to give okay. him a little help here, I looked at some history of this, and apparently the code names are chosen by the president themselves. And they have a list of okay. terms they can use because they picked a ton of words, but words that they will not be easily mistaken for other things they're talking about. That makes sense. So, But they did choose these themselves. So that might help you kind of with personalities figure out which one's which. So okay. you ready? Let's do it. All right. Tumblr. Tumblr. Oh, here's a I'll give I'll lock it in a little bit. It only goes back to Harry Truman. That doesn't help me. Can <laughs> I look at a list of presidents? You can look at a list of presidents, yeah. And that's it Harry Truman was the first to have a call sign. So from there everyone had one since. Okay. This if I can look at a list, I might be able to do it. There you go. Yeah, that's totally fair. Okay, list of presidents of the United States, head no Wikipedia. Mr. Peanut, no. <laughs> California Raisins, no. You said Truman? Yeah, he was the first uh, one to have one after okay, that. So after cool. FDR. Okay, so Tumblr. Tumblr. I'm going to go with JFK. That is incorrect. It is George yeah. W. Bush. Really? And later he changed it to. Is that older George W. or younger George W.? Younger George W. Okay. The older one's George H.W. Oh, right, right, right. Herbert Walker. That's right. Bush. All right. Uh, Dasher, which was later changed to Deacon and then later changed to Lockmaster. What the hell? <laughs> I like nicknames. All right. Give me another one. I'm going to get all of these wrong. Oh, you, you didn't give a guess? <laughs> I thought I did. Who'd oh, wait. What was the one you said? This is the only president that had three um, Dasher Deacon. Oh, I thought you were telling me a follow up factoid about George H. W. No, no, no. Okay. This is a different president. Dasher's, Dasher Deacon. And what was the third thing? Lockmaster. Um, <laughs> I will go with Gerald Ford. Oh, I'm sorry. It is Jimmy Carter. <laughs> Damn. All right. We got a volunteer a terrible one but that's someone chose that see i would have gone with jimmy carter because all i know is that he does volunteering for that's true that's true we're gonna we'll call it gerald ford (laughs) nope lyndon johnson god damn it dude (laughs) i'm never gonna eventually narrow it down enough we have to get one right 
but I'm not keeping track of her. <laughs> All right, we got now. Rawhide. Rawhide Reagan. Oh my God, you're right. He was in westerns. Ah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. All right, Timberwolf. Timberwolf. I'm gonna give that to my boy Bill Clinton on the hunt. <laughs> no. <laughs> It is George H.W. Bush. God damn it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got Renegade. Renegade. I'm going to give that to the least renegade seeming one. I think it's Nixon. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Barack Obama. <laughs> Ooh, damn. <laughs> All right. Let's do uh, General. Later change to Supervise. Truman. Correct. Good job. Because he, he was a general. Was a general yeah, there you go. Correctly. Yeah. Kind of gives it away a little bit. Um, now we have Lancer. Lancer. I'm going to go give it to a president. I'm going to admit I know absolutely nothing about Dwight D. Eisenhower. That is incorrect. It is damn it. JFK. <laughs> ah, he's been Lancing. Yeah, he's Lancing some things. All right. Mogul. Mogul. Uh, the Donald Trump. That just feels right. That is correct. Right, what a it. jackass. Pick the mogul. Piece of shit. All right. Uh, Passkey. Passkey? Passkey. Passkey. Bill Clinton. No, that is Gerald Ford. <laughs> God damn <laughs> Gerald Ford dead today at the age of 72. He was eaten by wolves. <laughs> oh, come on. What are the chances of that happening? <laughs> Taft was eaten by wolves. Really? Taft? All right. <laughs> I think he was. Okay. Um, scorecard and then change to Providence. Uh, Nixon. No, I'm sorry. That is Dwight Eisenhower. <laughs> God damn it. He's the one I don't know anything about. <laughs> All right, uh, Celtic. Celtic. Uh, Bill Clinton. Oh, I'm sorry. That is Joe Biden. God fucking shit. <laughs> Only a couple left Fuck here. This game. Searchlight. Searchlight. Okay. I'm looking at who I haven't guessed yet or how I haven't even heard for an answer yet. <laughs> Bill Clinton. Oh, you had a one in two chance. It's Richard Nixon. I did. God damn it. <laughs> and the last one is Eagle. That is Bill Clinton. Richard Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Out of 14, you got two correct. <laughs> oh, that might be one of our worst scores of all time. <laughs> this is really hard, though. I mean, how are you going to know? Dude, that was, I, yeah, I got like whatever it was, Chaps or whatever for Reagan. That was it. Ra- Ra- Rawhide for Ronald Reagan and Mogul for enough. Donald Trump. Yep. But good job all around. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that takes us into some radical recommends. I recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right. This week's Radical Recommends. I come with two mini Radical Recommends. One of them I'm late to the game on. Actually, both of them I'm late to the game on, technically. One of which is Upload on Amazon Prime. I've heard of this. I've been taking it on, uh, taking it in late. They're on the third season already. But basically, it's about a future where when you die, you can opt to have your conscience uploaded to a server where you live in a a game, like a video game sort of thing, Hmm. like a reality. 
um, and sort of all the complications that come with adjusting to that new life. Uh, and so I highly recommend it. It's from Greg Daniels, one of the minds behind uh, The Office. Oh, yeah. And so it's lighthearted, but it's also touching and there's a good mystery component to it that kind of unravels. Um, so I highly recommend it. And the other one is the Scrub Daddy. Oh, uh, you can get it at many, many stores now uh, and many, many knockoffs. But it's basically just a scrubby sponge that gets harder when it's cold and softer when it's warm. Yeah, it does. And man, it is just it's become our favorite dish scrubber of all time. And now we have a little system where it starts as our dish sponge and then eventually graduates to be the bathroom sponge. Ah. And then we get a new dish sponge and it's like the circle of life. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend them. Scrub Daddy. They're that's the sexy name. Favorite scrubber. And then they've got a smiley face and eyes. So you can put them into glasses and then put your fingers into the eyes and rotate it and really clean the crap out of the inside of glasses. Hmm. And with the smiley face, you can put utensils through there and like really scrub scrape them off. Okay. So highly recommend Scrub Daddy and then on Amazon Prime video upload. I prefer the Scrub Twink. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Sorry. That brings us some Scrub Daddy, Leather Daddy, <laughs> leather Scrub Daddy to some trailer reviews. Daddy. Now, I have to say it was hard finding a trailer this week because our last episode, we went to a rundown of all these new trailers that came out for San Diego Comic-Con. And so it was kind of a, a dry, <laughs> dry situation. We have to there. get creative here, people. Yes, we did. So the one we have today is a movie that I had not heard about that I didn't even know existed called The Menu. And this has Anya Taylor-Joy and Rafe, Ralph Rafe Fines. Ralph Fines. Ralph, Ralph Fines. I think it's rough finds. Um, your good old Voldemort and uh, the guy who played Beast in the new X Men movies. Um, okay. Yeah, that guy. I that don't guy. remember his name. He was with uh, Jennifer Lawrence for a long time. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Um, and it appears to be some kind of uh, situation where they go on this yacht to go to this exclusive island that has this wonderful restaurant that everyone wants to go to. Apparently, it's fantastic food. But things start to unravel when they realize that everyone that was there seems to be have was invited on purpose. These particular people. And it looks like the head chef played by Ralph Fiennes is, is there to either kill them or make them fight each other for sport or something. We're not sure because this trailer is a little ambiguous, but there's a lot and of like little staff stars. might be a cult, maybe. Yeah. And like they're very the staff is very strange, um, but a lot of food stuff in this movie, but also a lot of smaller actors you might recognize from a bunch of yeah. shows throughout. Um, but yeah, what do you think of the trailer? Um, I don't know. I'm peaked. It's going to be right now. There's a lot of, of mystery, which is great in that we saw a very full trailer and I still don't quite know what it's about. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I like Annie Taylor joy. She's in a lot of great things right now. Uh, Ralph Fiennes, of course, has his pedigree. And as you mentioned, a bunch of like B and C list actors that you're going to recognize from a bunch of stuff, just sort of filling the gaps. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, Annie I'm, Taylor joy. I described this as isn't a- the kind of movie I would ever go see in theaters. Right. But it's the site that I would take in on a streaming service in a second. Catch it on Netflix for a weird movie. like Oh, yeah. Like Mother, <laughs> that movie I never saw. But it looks like that movie, too, like creepy and dark. Um, I describe Anya Taylor-Joy as a beautiful alien. Yeah. That's kind of how she looks. Bulbous eyes. <laughs> yeah, just huge eyes. But I take a look at the trailer. It's very strange. Definitely a, a different kind of movie than we usually talk about. But that's a uh, not a lot of trailers, though. I'm going to give this one. 
a uh, Raul Julia walking out like in the morning to find a, like a little child version of Carrie Busey on a stool in the kitchen <laughs> that's made a terrible mess. But he's like, I made your breakfast. Go get back in bed. I'm going to bring it to you. You can't carry Raul's a tray. Like, oh, so sweet, but I'm going to have to clean this up. <laughs> he's like, don't worry, Mommy Raul. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy Raul. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it one Gary Busey saying, where's the food? I don't want to go kill people for sport. I'm hungry. <laughs> my legs hurt. My legs hurt. My left arm's starting to get sore. I think about it's because I climb trees. Leave me alone. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Mommy Roll, help me. <laughs> Mommy Roll, get me down out of the tree. <laughs> Again, if you can't get down on your own, don't go up there. <laughs> I'm going to have to clean this up later, too. <laughs> anyway, oh, I think man. it does it for our uh, episode 152, right? Yeah, that's it for the end of the episode. Join us again next time for an episode so special that we can't even tell you about it. It's a secret. Keep on coming back and being our nerdy audience, and we will keep on coming back and being your nerdy co-hosts. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Feel free to email feedback at aplayonnerds.com with all your questions or comments. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and earn yourself a sweet shout out on the show. Review us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so even more nerds can find us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, we aren't picky. Check out our entire back catalog and other offerings at aplayonnerds.com. And how? How?